0: Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet.
1: I've slept in bus stations, like I've slept on people's floors.
0: It's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge
1: explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie.
0: It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. (laughs) Not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu.
1: By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Joseph Rayom. Before we get to Joseph, I have a few announcements. Go to our website, traveltailspodcast.com. That's traveltailspodcast.com. And there you'll find articles that I've written, some articles that some of the guests have written. You can see links to all their social media and links to our social media, which is, of course, Instagram, TravelTalesPodcast Podcast, and Instagram, Twitter, TravelTalesPod Pod. On Twitter, there's links to our Facebook page. There are links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can subscribe for free, and I always ask, and I'll do it again, that if you're on iTunes, please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show, because it boosts our presence there, and that's a cool thing. And if you want to write me, say maybe you want to be on the show, maybe you know somebody who'd be great for the show, write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's Traveltailspodcast at gmail.com. Well, if you've been listening to the show or following me online in various social media outlets, you know that I've spent a lot of time in Alaska, not only last year, but this year. Man, oh man, am I doing a lot of cruises up in Alaska, performing stand-up comedy on Holland America lines, where I meet a lot of people. And now that this is my third year of doing cruises. I'm starting to run into some of the same people. And one of the people I ran into is a magician who I worked with last year on board. And he's going to be up there for four months this summer, which is a lot of Alaska. But magicians tend to like the longer gigs because they only have to move their stuff once. At the beginning of the season, they bring all their big boxes of tricks and illusions and leave them backstage, and they don't have to keep constantly moving them all over the place. And you can try out new stuff. You have a big stage to work with. And, uh, you know, so it's basically like work in Vegas, but uh, a floating Vegas. So I get why magicians like to do cruise ships. Also, I find that magic tends to translate well on the ships because you get a lot of all different ages, you know, all different generations come see us in the showroom, especially in the summer in Alaska when the kids are out of school and you might have grandpa sitting next to their grandkids. And that's terrible for a comedian like me because those are two generations that do not laugh at the same stuff. But magic, it's universal. You can fool all ages. It's impressive. Nobody knows how you did it. It works. So I'm always a little jealous of the magicians on board, but not jealous of them when I'm in the airport. And I have carry-on. And they're paying $1,000 in baggage fees. But Joseph and I talk about that. We talk about how he got started, some of the crazy places he's performed. He's a great magician and a nice guy, and I think you're going to like meeting him. So if you want to follow Joseph, all his media handles are spelled Joseph, which is the normal way, J-O-S-E-P-H, Rayom, R-E-O-H-M. Find him everywhere online and try to see him perform if you can. Please enjoy my conversation with Joseph Rayom. So we're here with Joseph Rayom, magician extraordinaire, young man on the go, around the world. This is a travel podcast, so we won't talk too much about your, uh, your showbiz life, but uh, your showbiz life and your travel life are pretty one and the same, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, tra- I think last year it was 103 flights in 17 countries. Wow! Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I don't even know if I actually
0: do any magic. <laughs> I, th- I think I just travel. Okay, so you're originally from Seattle area, which is good for you because we're on the ship together now. It's going to be stopping every week in Seattle, so you get to see family and everything else. So that's You're lucky. I'd never get that on the ship.
1: Yeah, I got really lucky on this one. I, uh, I'm in Seattle every Saturday, but I'm also in Juneau, Alaska, every Monday. And I have aunts and uncles in Juneau, so I get to steal the car, go on excursions, run to Costco, which all the other crew members can't really do
0: <laughs> what was the incentive for you to get into magic we'll start way back at the beginning so when did you start doing it and when did you start performing and when did you start traveling for magic when i was five i got into it just for the travel and all the women <laughs> still
1: the magic groupies still waiting for the women um no i i've been doing it my whole life i got into it when i was five years old uh i didn't know that it was going to be a career and then um, I, th- I think when I was 15, I did my first paid gig. So that was 21
0: years ago. And now, and since then, I just, just keep hustling. Now, magicians always say this. They say the problem with magic is, at least when you're learning, you spend so much time alone learning stuff in your room. And is that what happened to you? Were you an awkward uh, teen because you were never out? You were always in your room doing tricks? Yeah,
1: I think every magician in their show, if they do something technical, they go, well, there's about 12, 13 years of no dating and no social life. Uh, unfortunately, that's actually not a joke. <laughs> that's, that's, that is is real. Uh, we I, I used to spend 8 to 12 hours a day in front of the mirror with a deck of cards and and now I, I'm, it's still lonely. You're on a ship. You're in your room by yourself all day. Maybe people talk to you on the ship. Maybe not. But
0: I think you and I started on ships at around the same time. It's only been like a couple years, right? I mean, I've only been doing it. How long have you been doing cruises? I started doing cruise ships December 2016 was my
1: first one. So about year and a half or so. And yeah, my first big contract, that, or I guess not necessarily big, but long, the residency act I did last year in Alaska is where we met. Uh, doing, you were on there for three weeks, and you were on there for three months. Yeah, and then um, let's see, we did, uh, and then we ran Cape running into each other on <laughs> ships around the world. We were in the Caribbean, I think, uh, last December. We worked the same ships together, and I should start leaving you notes.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> what was the most far off, far away place you've ever performed? Performed, it wouldn't have been, um, travel a lot on cruise ships, but I think the furthest for me has just been uh, Europe, uh, Germany, um, Amsterdam, Paris, London. But I have done, I don't know, I don't know what the mile difference is between that and, and Aruba, Bonaire, and curacao and Alaska. Yeah. So
0: So performing for like, say, in Germany, were these mostly local Germans or were they English-speaking expats? Uh, those ones were, were German-speaking. So, uh, oh, wow. But pretty
1: much almost everybody there still spoke. Sure. They understood English. Uh, th- th- their English was much better than my German. But that I did more visual magic. I didn't, you know, that's kind of a universal language. No matter where I'm at in the world, uh, I can quickly make friends with magic, whether they speak English or not.
0: I was always envious of... Uh, magicians when i would travel around and and some i've worked with some acts like in the comedy magic club in hermosa where they don't have any words at all like they do it all the music and i thought to myself man these guys can work anywhere around the world they could do like corporate gigs in china and stuff like that could you do that if you wanted or is that just more trick heavy you know and you know do less talking i guess you got to fill the time with something
1: yeah you can definitely do that um I, I perform magic to uh, to music, but to be totally honest, I would not be envious of of us as the magicians are all envious of the comedian who can literally pack a purse and a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> and just we have to carry all our lug all of our stuff around, and uh, you have a carry on and
0: and mic check, and you're ready to go. Yeah, I don't envy you in the airports, that's for sure. So, is doing magic, or are magicians from other countries? different than american mu- magicians do they have a different style like in europe or in asia
1: yeah actually it's all very different um some of my favorite is japanese style korean magic japanese magic uh chinese they all have very beautiful different kinds of aesthetic to the way they make for example if they're making a handkerchief appear or disappear, cards appear or disappear compared to american um but the biggest thing I noticed a difference on is the responses you get around the world with different cultures and for example, Americans, you make a big power pose after you make a bird appear and that's supposed to communicate to all the American audience it's your turn it's time to applause and make noise. And then you have Indian cultures where they will not applaud or make noise and you think you're bombing the entire show and, and, and you go, Oh, I guess that I guess I need to quit magic now. And then you find out after that it was one of their favorite experiences on the ship or whatever. But it, I guess they, they find it to be rude to applaud and uh, make noise during the show. They don't want to interrupt it. So you learn. And then my favorite is like the Japanese because it goes way deep in their roots, magic does. And so you do magic for them and they just get that. It's <laughs> 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 like a whole different kind of excitement.
0: What about in terms of bringing people on stage. I mean, are there some cultures that they don't want to be any part of it? Like, don't take me up on stage? Or are they very excited to be like, I need an assistant. You, ma'am, come up. Are are, are they really excited? Yeah, the
1: cultures that do not want to come on stage are the old people. We're going to call that a culture. (laughs) (laughs) You colleges, you you can't get enough people to not want, you know, they all want to come up. You get on a cruise ship, if they are average age 65 70 you can already see them sit shaking their heads no before uh right as you start looking at them <laughs> you know but um as far as other actual other cultures i've never ran into uh it seems like almost everyone wants to be a part of it unless it's one particular person in the audience that just doesn't want to be picked on or something but
0: when you say the japanese have a, like an old magic culture what do you mean and was does it go way back do they always have like did the emperor have a, like a, almost a jester or something? Or did how did that work? Yeah, so it goes back thousands
1: of years. They they used to practice magic and perform it for a very long time. Imagine, though, the difference if, you, if on some of the Western, you know, you're burned as a witch. In Asia, it's more, it's a beautiful thing. That's just something that they're a lot more spiritual. It's a lot more real to them that there's actual magic. And so then there's entertainment, but then they also have these uh, roots that would be, you know, where they study magic. And they, they um, and, you know, and you go into the Himalayans and they have, you know, this, you hear stories of people floating while they're, you know, humming and whatnot. And who knows what, what, if that's true or not, I've never seen it, but they're more likely not to burn you as a witch if you were doing magic for them.
0: Well, there's a reason they kick the Puritans out to the new world. You know, with that witch and uh, early to rise. Uh, you know, yeah, work all day, suffer. Yeah, why don't you go to the New World and see how that works for you, and take your buckled hats with you. Um, so, of all the cultures you've performed for in different countries, who were the most difficult, and who were the most receptive? I would say that I'm talking stereotypes.
1: Yeah, I would. I would say the Indian culture is most difficult, and the only reason is. They actually end up giving such a great response, but not till after the show. And for for artists, you kind of need that feedback during your show. Like if you're a comedian, yeah, if you're a comedian, you're getting no laughs, zero laughs. You really feel like you're bombing. I think they're. I remember listening to Rodney Dangerfield once was in an interview and he's talking about uh, what was it Caddyshack yeah. that he's on. He was saying it was his first movie, he was really filming and he was spitting out diamonds and he felt like he was bombing because no, there was no response and he he was sweating and he goes, yeah, I can't, I can't be here. This isn't for me, guys. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, you're killing it. This is great. And he's like, yeah, but nobody's laughing. They're like, well, we can't. We're off set. We're off yeah, camera. Yeah. So for me, I use a lot of comedy you know, magic, I use comedy in my show. So kind of like comedian, I need to get that response. I need the laughs. I need the, I need the feedback. I need the applause. I need to the audience to know that they're enjoying themselves. If, if it's dead and there's nothing, that's when I'm, I'm struggling. And, uh, and so I find that it's that, it's that Indian culture that, uh, is, is a little more difficult on stage live, but I find that they actually are some of the people that love it the most.
0: Have you have to do have you done corporate events any like big businesses and things like that and are they receptive to it as well? Yeah, I performed a lot um
1: especially when I was coming up. I live in Hollywood, California now, but I was, you know, I was brought up in Seattle. So I did a lot of the Microsoft, Macy's, Costco, Boeing. And uh I actually loved corporate events and and at first I was very intimidated by it thinking these are all, you know, going to be uh, executives wearing business suits, and then you go do it, and you find out it's a bunch of twenty-three-year-old receptionists that are just having a good time drinking and want to be entertained, and and they've got budgets, so they ha- you know, they usually have a nice venue or a big banquet hall, and you, you know, they take care of you, and and uh, when I used to do smaller gigs in my early twenties, late teens, I did you know seventy-five birthday parties a year, and I I was hustling back then, and I remember I'd do a corporate gig and go, wait a minute, this is equivalent to like ten birthday parties. What am I doing? So then, and they take care of me. I don't have a. I don't have twenty-eight-year-old kids heckling me and telling me that there's a fake thumb I'm jamming in my pocket or something. Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, and you show up at a corporate event and it's like red carpet treatment, and they you know give you a drink, meal, you know, put you in the pay system somehow.
0: How much traveling did you do as say like as a family as a kid growing up? Uh, before you got into magic, were you, were your family into travel or is this all kind of new to you? The only traveling I did was a new school every year for about five years. I didn't, I didn't really uh,
1: travel much. I, I never really got travel until I was 19 was the first time I went to California. After that, then I, I started to travel a little bit more, but, um, but no, all the traveling in my life really started as my career as a magician picked up and I'd say 90 of my gigs are not in
0: LA they are either cruise ships or are touring the US or or Europe or something for someone who hasn't who hadn't traveled much before this or left the country or now that you have how has it changed you in any way I mean did it surprise you when you went to these countries did it change your opinion of things or America yeah you know um one of
1: my favorite my one of my favorite places I've ever been is Berlin Berlin was so cool and just so gorgeous and everyone was so nice and so cool uh I loved the history and all the buildings same with London London then becoming like my favorite city and it, it changed me a lot I get very inspired with traveling so like I I get very inspired when I'm out in nature and I get inspired when I'm like walking through London or Paris and I'm seeing that I'm surrounded by that history and it gives me ideas for magic um when I'm back home in LA, it's the nice, you know, fresh smog and uh, brown hills. So I, I don't really get too inspired by that, but but I but yeah, it, it, now I, I just can't get enough of it, you know. And I'll, I'll be doing when I'm doing a hundred flights in a year. If I'm doing these red eyes at three in the morning, trying to make my way onto a ship or something, I'm exhausted. But then sometimes I just stop and I'll go, you know, this is a, I'd much rather be doing this than standing on a ladder
0: painting a house right now. <laughs> So I talked to another comedian i worked with or magician, comedian, magician, uh, Matt DeSero, who he said that in England, I guess there's more of a tradition of, um, say, like variety shows almost. His kind of act is more common over there than it would be in America, certainly like on TV now anymore. Uh, Do you find that? I mean, in London or specifically in the UK, do they do a different kind of magic or is it more comedy mixed in or? Yeah, it's... um it is actually, they do, they, it is a little bit different. Uh, if you're
1: a comedic magician, you better know your, your audience, because if you're trying, you know, I love the British humor, I love the dry, just kind of, you know... Uh, they'll heckle you though, they'll heckle. Yeah, and so you better know how to handle that, and you better know you can't be doing American clown jokes. You gotta be you can't have a red SpongeBob on your nose. You gotta really know your audience. <laughs> or else you're gonna drown. But um but it is a little bit different. Like I can do uh a, a an act there's an act I did on Penn and Teller Fool Us last year and it was an act where I make a bunch of champagne flutes appear and disappear and that's all to music, no talking. It's very visual. And so like that works really well pretty much anywhere. No matter where I go in the world. I could do that and it it works and I know that it works. So it's like kind of my little safety net. Um, But if I'm talking, you, I I just would, it makes me nervous if I don't know my audience and different cultures find different things funny and humorous. And I might think one thing is hilarious and everyone's scratching their head like, huh? Who is this guy?
0: If you could get rid of any particular trick, like say, you know, comedians, we all, there's hack jokes that are kind of standard, like if you never hear another airplane joke or something, you know, is there some trick you see, like you see another magician, and you're going, oh, this, you know, come on, we can all do that. Is there one trick you would get rid of if you could?
1: Yeah, your airplane joke would be, <laughs> your airplane joke would be rope magic for me. When I see somebody taking one piece of rope, cutting it up into three pieces of rope, a small, a medium, and a large, and if we fold them up in our hands, I've now got three of the exact same size. That and linking rings. Uh, linking rings is beautiful. I, I, but I'd cringe every time I saw it because I've just, I'm so burnt out on it. And I would see it at every magic convention, every magician, every corporate magician. here's the old ancient Chinese linking rings. (laughs) And, uh, and just recently I've like in this last maybe six, seven months, I've seen a few magicians. There's this guy from Australia. Oh man, I'm going blank on his name, but I saw these presentations, linking rings like, wow, that was actually really beautiful and really well done. And like, huh, that kind of makes me want to go Get do rings. get some rings. I mean, I've learned them when I was a kid. I learned them, you know. I know the methods and whatnot. And I've I even practiced little sets of. them. But now I see them and I'm like, wow, that's actually really beautiful. Uh, but yeah, your airplane joke would be my. Uh, <laughs> and I do a cut. I do a cut and restored rope now in the beginning of my show. I just started doing it this last week. It's about a thirty-six second attention getter, and it happens so quick. But that's a, the only reason why I like it is because it's fast and it, it's over with soon. But it's still visual, quick like. Okay, we've established I am a magician.
0: To non-magicians, like the standard one is either the sawing the woman in half or the um rabbit out of a hat. I mean, those are obviously. I mean, you know, did you didn't you say you used to work with animals like birds? Yeah, I worked with birds
1: uh for for over for about 18 years. I still have my doves. They're just kind of retired. I don't I don't
0: use the birds anymore. Um what's traveling with doves like? I, I can't imagine what a hassle that is. Okay,
1: so speaking of travel. So <laughs> if I he only knew all the stuff I snuck onto a plane. The uh, last year I did, yeah, about 103 flights and I know 32 of those flights I snuck my birds on the on the flights. And I've got a whole system down now for getting my birds through the airlines and on the flights and do you say
0: they're an emotional support birds and that's how you get them on?
1: You know, I've thought about that would be a lot easier, but I the way I look at it is like, you know what? If the audience doesn't know where my birds are coming from, then let's just see how this works out in the airports. Yeah. So now, TSA, you're not going to get it by them, so I have a whole system where I, I've got them in this like TSA-approved traveling cage, little cage that fits under the seat, and I've got a fake duffel bag that Velcros around that with air holes in it, so it looks like a, it's just over my shoulder like a duffel bag. And when I walk up through security and I go you know, to the TSA, I go with authority, I go, hey guys, I've got birds, I'm going to need a visual and a wipe down. And they're like, oh, oh this way, sir. And, and we bypass the line. We get through it. And then I go in a little room. I take out the birds. I start talking to them about magic and whatnot. And they get excited. And then they, they bring my little cage back. They just want to make sure there's no drugs or explosives or anything dangerous in there. Bring my cage back. And then I queue up my phone with a 10-minute dove noise. Um, and so while I'm walking onto the plane, if my birds start to talk and start doing the... I snap my fingers that gets them to be quiet for about 20, 30 seconds. And I hit play on my videos and then I would just make it seem like a, a ringtone. I'm like, Hey guys, I'm getting on the plane right now, you know? I was, I was <laughs> and I, I, I've only had to push play on that twice where out of the 32 flights I've done it twice, but it's there already because uh, I don't want them. the thing that scares me is I've, I've gotten on a few planes where there, there is no room under the seats and there's no overhead. So they would have to put whatever baggage you have, whatever lo- you have down below that's never, I've never run into that with my birds. But then when I've done flights like that, it gives me a nightmare. Like, Ooh, what if that, what if I had my birds with me that they'd probably die? I'd, I would be like the worst magician in the world.
0: This is where frequent flyer status comes in. And then you can be one of the first ones on the plane and you never not get a seat or not get the overhead space. That's I did. I, think, I believe I told you that years ago that you, you need to sign up for these frequent flyer things. You should have a ton of miles now, or at least some status on one airline. So I hope, have you joined these things yet? Yeah, you did warn me. You did tell me about that. And the yeah. way I remember it is
1: we're in the airport. I was lugging a bunch of stuff around and you're just with a big smile on your face, walking right <laughs> on the plane in front of everybody else. And I'm like uh, zone 26. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like getting, sitting there with all my luggage and trying to figure out how I'm going to get it on the plane. What's the most you've ever been charged for luggage? Uh, I got a $1,200 each way surprise once for luggage. I had a little learning list. I was doing a charity event in texas and compassionate friend it was a very very beautiful charity but a very sad one it was one of those ones where they are supporting each other for having lost family members and i'm like yeah i definitely want to go do a show for them and i and i was excited about it and you know it's, it's charity so i'm like yeah i'll fly out i'll do it why not and i get to the i go to check in and my uh, luggage is a little bit oversized and it's a little overweight. And the lady was just not having it. And I didn't know. And I was like, what is it? 50 bucks. And she was like, sir, it's $350 for the overweight and it's $350 for the oversized. And, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. pump the brakes bull rider. And I'm freaking out. Anyways, it ended up being about, yeah, uh, about $1,200 each way with that. And my, and I also had two other luggages that they were charging. Just There is no... I got screwed on that one. So, right when I got home, I took all of my tables, all of my props, and rebuilt them to weigh like one pound and pack into a luggage. So, now the whole show you see on my ship now, pretty much, unless it's with the illusions, fits in a luggage. 50 pounds. Exactly. (laughs) And every single time... Oh, and every time I set it on there, I have this big smile. My smile is the same thing as a middle finger to the (laughs)
0: airline. Would you still take like a, a child's party if it was offered for a lot of money? If it's, uh, I mean, I live in Hollywood. Bill Gates's kid. <laughs> I actually I
1: did a birthday party for Jeff, the owner owner of Amazon, uh, wow. a while back at at his place, and and uh, you know I live in Hollywood. If uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody's hitting me up saying, "Hey, we have a party or a an anniversary party or private party," then uh, yeah, I definitely would would consider it just because you know it's you never know who's there, who's watching. As far as kids shows, I mean, I guess I would have to pull all my stuff out of storage. I'm sure dust it all off and. Um, but I I I, uh, I prefer the stage now. I prefer not doing kids parties. But uh, but I would I would do it if it was that situation. If it's like for a celebrity or VIP or the president is like, well, maybe not this president. It's, yeah, I would. Who knows? Who whoever it is, I would do it if there's if it's the right people. I guess
0: you went to Jeff Bezos' house. What's that like? So
1: I I show up and uh, I pull up to this huge mansion and security comes out and to goes. Yeah, in Seattle, in Medina. This whole huge house. The security comes out and goes, can I help you? And I say, hey, I'm Joseph Ramon, I'm the magician. He goes, oh, okay, well, this is the house they built for security. What you need to do is drive right down here. And I, I was like, whoa. So I'm driving down this, this pathway that is, I felt like I was in Jurassic Park. And I pull up to this tiny little one-story house, and I'm like, huh the security's house is bigger than theirs. I go in and his wife greets me and so nice. And she goes, Joseph, we're so excited to have you here. Let me show you around. We can do the show here or we can go downstairs. And after going downstairs, each level one at a time down to about four or five levels. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to carry my stuff all the way down here. So, but they were really cool. I didn't know who it was. No, I, I met him, but I didn't know. I didn't get their last name. And I, and the way the booking agency at the time, I, you know, I had to sign a non-disclosure that I wouldn't communicate anything about the show until after I was done. And after I left and. I wanted to say thank you to him, so I walked up and the conversation I walk up on is, "Well, first airport I bought was," and I'm like, "Oh, jeez, who is this?" So I shake his hand. Hey, thank you so much. And he goes, "Yeah, that's great. Thank you. We loved having you." About three weeks later, I'm doing a show at a private school, and this guy comes up to me, goes, "Hey, I saw you at Jeff's house," and I was like, "Jeff's house?" And he goes, "Yeah, the owner of Amazon." I saw you at his house, and I was like, "Owner of Amazon?" And he goes, "Yeah, you're doing his son's birthday party." Just and I was like, "Oh, that's who that was." You still didn't know who it was. No, didn't know who it was until three weeks later. No, and I didn't. I didn't recognize him. I, I yeah. just knew it was somebody with uh, who, bought a few airports. <laughs> How long ago was this? That would have been uh, probably 2005. Oh, okay.
0: So this is a little while ago. This 2005. Yeah, gosh, that kid was five years old. So he's yeah, he's probably to yeah, almost 20. now. He was just your average billionaire then. Now he's just like a mega billionaire. Yeah. But um, so you got started on the cruises. Your give me your favorite part of doing the cruises and your least favorite part i think they're the same thing the amount i don't have to work and the amount i don't
1: (laughs) know i um, i like this one uh you know we we do we're on we're stuck here for seven days uh you're on the ship the nice things we've got a gym we've got all you buffet we got shows to go to uh the tricky thing is we only get like one night to work so so part of it is you got this
0: downtime that you kind of need to fill up with work and do podcasts and stuff at least last year we were doing the variety show you and i would split it and then we'd at least be up two nights but i don't know at least for comedy i need if i want to try out new stuff i need to be on i need to do more shows and that's the hardest thing about building new material on there and you're gonna be on here for four months how are you gonna work in new stuff
1: yeah four and a half months and i brought three shows worth of stuff too and i thought i was gonna be doing a split bill i'm prepared for that i i um, and now I just found out last night that they're moving my show night from one of the nights yeah, of doing two shows to the a, a different night where I'm only going to be doing one show. So now I just do one show a week. Now I know a lot of people would sit there and go, ah, oh, dream gig, that sounds... But to be totally honest, I'd, I'd rather work a show every night. I don't mind. And, and I do have a lot of new material I want to work on. So I'm sitting here going, ah, you know, I've got this one show I I it's going to be awkward to throw in something new. I'd say sell them on a daytime show. I I, I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, it gives an opportunity to sell merch too, which is cool. And you've got, I mean, this is one place where you have people that are clientele to buy, buy things. They've got money to spend. Um, so merch would be great, but also it keeps me just working and it gives me something to do. And, and, um, but yeah, and I have, you know, I have the show for it. I've got extra material here, but, uh, so yeah, I think I'm gonna let them. I'm gonna let them know. Gonna, hey guys, let's 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 book. Let's do another show. Last C day, but um, but that's. I think the thing that I love, and to answer your question, um, I do love the travel. I love getting to see new place, parts of the world. Then I do a, a run like this where I'm seeing the same thing every week. It's like Groundhog's Week for yeah. four and a half months, but I still love it because you get to see. The the whole summer changed from, from going from kind of chilly to snow on the mountaintops to 80 degrees in Alaska in August, seeing the salmon come up the stream and catch a can. And then, and then it gets cold again by the time you leave. And
0: one week after we get off the ship, it's like minus 10. <laughs> so as someone who's been going to alaska his whole life You're going up you've been going to Juneau probably since you were a kid right Actually, no just the five last five years okay. so. so if you like okay a Northwesterner. we've both been up here a bunch but what kind of alaska travel tips do you have for people i say just get out and i'm a hiker so I, there's no endless you know there's endless hiking and outdoorsy stuff here but uh what advice would you give to people who are going to alaska for the first time
1: and i remember in my th- this is what i say in my in my show that i tell people i tell everybody wear a bell because of the bear wear a bell to warn them and wear have pepper spray or bear spray to make sure uh if they if you know if they did attack you've got you're prepared and uh to tell the difference between a black bear and a brown bear the black bear's droppings are small and fair full of berries and the brown bear's droppings are large and full of bells and smell like pepper spray <laughs> 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 no, I uh, I would say if you're going if it's going to be on a cruise, it's two different w- ways to look at it. If you're traveling Alaska for a cruise, that's one thing because you only get a limited time in each port. You get so many hours a day to go do something. So you either go look at all the jewelry shops or you do a little research and do a helicopter excursion, go to the uh, take have a helicopter take you up and do a, a um, glacier push up, you know, or you do that Get down, drink the glacier water, and push yourself up. But then, if you're traveling to Alaska, if you're, if you're traveling to Alaska non-cruise, uh, if you're just going to Alaska, there's so much to do. It's um, it's, massive. it's yeah. I mean, if you, I always think that's funny when people still think that Texas is the biggest state. Yeah. When you compare
0: Texas to Alaska, it's like a tiny little park. Alaska's like a size of the third of of the continental U.S. I think. I mean, it's it's huge. And I, yeah, I, I tell people there's so much land go on land you know uh, the islands are nice and the shore is nice but after a while if you're going to do a cruise at least do a land portion of it like a lot of these cruises will tie in denali or something you know or just like you just take a train up into the country and just get out in the middle of nowhere and really get around the nature that's That's what i and
1: that's where you start seeing the bear and the moose and you know i suggest like if you're on a cruise one of my favorite things i ever did was last year in Juneau went on a hike through the temperate rainforest in Juneau up to the ice caves. Yeah, I did that. And, yeah, and it's it's not a hard h- hike, and then the last portion of it, you do a little bit of climbing, and but it's really not that hard, and it's just gorgeous, and you, uh, you get to really see more of what Alaska is about. You get to see that beautiful temperate rainforest, which is, you know, not, you don't get to see
0: that every day. Have you ever run into a bear up here? I ran into a porcupine, and it scared the crap out of me on the trail. But I haven't seen any bear. Well, I saw a bear when we were driving alongside of the road. But have you ever seen one hiking? Last year, I came with uh, my f- friend Catherine,
1: one of the dancers, and we went to. It was in June. We we're going to go to the uh, Mendenhall Glacier, and I sat there and I go, "Oh man, I didn't bring my bell and my spray. I always bring my pepper spray and my bell everywhere in Alaska. I just I know that I just know I need to to make me feel safe." And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't bring it. And she's going, well, this is a big park. Look at all the people. There's no bear around here. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we get out right in front of the car, and there's a ranger there, and all this group of people start walking up, and they're looking at something. I walk up, and here's this huge mama black bear with three cubs, probably 20, 25 feet away. And I'm sitting there, my heart's starting to pound. I'm like, if that – and then the the ranger's, you know, only f- 10 feet away from this bear. The bear looks at the ranger and gives this – and the noise basically communicated to everyone if you do anything i don't like i will kill all of you that's basically <laughs> what the bear just said the bear kept trotting along and then three cubs come up and these you know one of them's curious and starts walking towards us and i'm like whoa 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 whoa, yeah. we don't want to go there nope and uh that was that was kind of intense i mean it was i felt somewhat safe cuz there was a ranger there but at the same time that ranger wasn't going to do anything if that bear was that bear would have won any okay, fight absolutely. there and uh so that's kind of but uh but that's the only bear i saw here in alaska i'm more scared of the moose i haven't seen a moose yet but that that's that's there's more deaths by moose than there are by bear in alaska and true? yeah they're and they can be mean they're, they they'll they can just charge at you just to charge at you and they, and they say with moose the only thing you really can do is just get behind the biggest tree you can find and just don't get hit i mean it's like a car hitting you oh,
0: they're huge i mean when you see one in person you're like oh my god
1: these things are huge 1500 1800 pounds you know, and these, and if they're not, if 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 they're not happy with you, and they want to be aggressive, they they wouldn't be a fun fight.
0: <laughs> okay, let's talk about your hometown of Seattle now, where we stopped uh, on Saturday. I'll, we'll be there tomorrow, and I leave tomorrow. But other than the big highlights, you know, the Pike Place Market and all the other stuff. What are some hidden gems of Seattle do you recommend that people see when visitors come to town?
1: Yeah, you know, I when my teens, I lived in downtown Seattle, and I worked in downtown Seattle from when I was 14 to 18 or something like that. I know every single street, and, you know, there's all, obviously the classics. There's the gum wall down by Pike Place, and there's seeing the fish being thrown. But one of the things I love is you go to the Columbia Tower. It's the tallest black building in Seattle. It's called the Columbia Tower. I think it's like $12, $13, bucks, and you can go to the top, and there's an observa- uh, observation deck, and it gives you a full 360 panoramic view of the entire city. And the Space Needle is cool, too, for that, because it's the Space Needle, so it's just, you know, obviously. But the Columbia
0: Towers way higher. You see way more, and it's just really cool. So you're looking down on the Space Needle from the Columbia Tower. Okay. So in terms of... Everybody knows, okay, we'll get coffee and uh, salmon in Seattle. <laughs> what else should I eat in Seattle? Is there any one place that you recommend that's like a hidden gem that only the locals know?
1: You know, there's, um, well, now it's changed a lot. So I haven't been there for like 11 years. I now, I, I live in LA now. Well, but you going to see it a lot this summer, my friend. Yeah, but I do know there's some great places. If you go to, uh, d- you go towards uh, Safeco Field, that's where the old kingdom used to be. And there's Pioneer Square down there, and that's like the historical area of Seattle. There's actual an underground Seattle where they, they you can go on a tour and just see all this real actual uh, underground shops and tunnels, that, uh, these tunnels to these shops and parts of the city that used to be there before it got covered in landslide that they manually brought down from the hill with fire hoses at one point. But um, all sorts of, there, there's lots of cool bars, and, and you go up to like Capitol Hill, and and uh, Queen Anne, there's really cool spots up in there for going out for eateries and bars. Belltown is really nice for going out at night for nightlife. Uh, but also, when I lived there, I was 15, 16, 17, so I didn't really get to know the bar scene or the nightlife scene. I, I just got to know how many steps are on Harbor Steps.
0: <laughs> right. And also, it's grown so much, right? Seattle must have been a lot smaller when you were younger. I mean, now it's a pretty popular place. Yeah, these, uh, they've been nonstop building. Just nonstop, and there's, and when I go there now, I almost
1: don't recognize. It. I recognize a few some of, you know, I recognize the buildings that have been there for a while. The Darth Vader building, that's the big black one that has like the slant. The locals all call it the Darth Vader building. It's called the James building, I believe. Ah, I don't remember now, but I used to work right in front of that when I was 15. I used to work in promotion and marketing. I used to pass out flyers and stuff downtown. So I'd walk all over. I got to know every street by by name, and
0: but yeah. I went to uh, Pioneer Square. I walked down there last Saturday uh, when I went off the ship. I walked all the way from the ship downtown, and I had lunch in Pioneer Square at a little deli called Tats's, T-A-T-S. Good cheesesteak, folks. I'm giving you a shout-out. Tats's Deli. I posted it on Instagram, actually. I had a big, fat, giant cheesesteak, which I shouldn't have eaten, but I did, and it was lovely. Um, Where do you think you want to settle. If you do settle one day, settle down, would you stay in LA or would you go back to the Northwest or what do you think you would do?
1: Well, it's interesting. There's a, uh, because lately this last few years has just been traveling nonstop. It's been flying and cruises and uh, touring. A lot of, you know, a lot of magicians think, oh, Vegas is where it's at. And I, I, ha- I have no interest in Vegas. I mean, if it's changed there a lot, it just is not the same as it used to be for magicians uh, unless you're David Copperfield or whatnot. But as far as settling down, when it comes to magic, my dream is to land a residency for like a year or so in London. That would be my ideal spot. Um, but as far as settling down, like at some point when I'm ready to retire, I think I'd go back to the Northwest. It's just that it's too beautiful. It's, you know, it's it's clean air, mountain. You've got everything. You've got mountains. You go right beyond the mountains. You've got somewhat desert. You go, you've got the ocean. You go north. You've got Vancouver, BC. You've got. It's just... You kind of have everything right there.
0: Well, you went through Europe, you said. And where are some dream destinations you've never been to, but it's always on your, on your bucket list? Number one that I really want to go to is Cinque Terre, Italy. Okay. I don't, have you ever been there? I've been to Cinque Terre. I've been to Italy a number of times, but I just haven't been to that part of it. But, yeah, it's on the list. You should probably bring a girl. Yeah. That's uh, that's probably why I haven't gone but <laughs> and anywhere in Tuscany as well you can't, you can't anywhere in Italy you can't go wrong but I mean yeah there' it's particularly beautiful. yeah totally that those uh, those little towns on the cliffside you know with
1: all the yeah, I, 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 yeah it's too gorgeous. I'd love to see Greece I'd love to see uh, New Zealand I really want to go to Ireland I um, haven't been there yet or Scotland I want to go both places uh, but I'd also really really like to see Japan and Australia I haven't been over there yet. And I've got a lot of friends in Australia. So there's sometimes I'm thinking,
0: you know, if I can just get a few weeks off, I might just pack my bags and head out to see Australia or something. That was my first solo trip abroad when I decided to, you know, when I really got into travel and I started doing comedy. But before I moved to New York, uh, I knew I was going to leave Chicago. And then I decided, well, let me just move back in with my mom for a year and just save money because I was on the road every week anyway. I knew I could... um, yeah, handle it because I think touring, you know how to travel alone. A lot of people can't even handle that part, you know. Just but we've done it so much that uh, Australia is a good starter because it's not much of a culture shock, you know. The language is the same, it's it's almost too much like America. They, really want, they enjoy Americans, I heard they really like Americans there, and yeah. they like every they you know, they're Australian, they don't care, they're, they're just have a beer and you know, have a laugh and they, they, there's you, it's a gigantic right? country with 23 million people in it I mean it's a continent with nobody in it it's like Canada like I said they're like 10 Canadians who surf and is, that, is that where you picked up your whole uh, Austra- learn oh, how yeah, to speak yeah, Australian yeah. bit uh, I love that bit it is it is, it is true I mean the, and, but it's such a massive place and like 80 percent of uh, people live along the east east coast and uh, Sydney and Melbourne are both uh, incredible cities and yeah, if you got friends over there, it's just really easy. It's just a long flight, and New Zealand is one of the most beautiful places. If you're if you're from the Pacific Northwest, it kind of looks like Alaska. I mean, the South Island and stuff. It's just it's gorgeous. Yeah, so you'll you'll fit right in over there. Although you may have to wear some sunscreen. No, that's a. I, I'd love to go. I'd love
1: to see it. There's um, there's also a movie. Uh, I don't remember any of it. maybe a year or two go about this guy who had this bunker out in the middle of the woods and he was um, had a bunch of cyborg like these cyborg, uh, uh, ex
0: machina. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that one. That one. And I was looking like where they were filming that. I was like, what? That is gorgeous. That was that was up in Scandinavia somewhere. I think it was Norway or something like that. Yeah, it was in
1: Norway, and I remember I remember thinking I was like, wow, it looks kind of like Alaska, but Alaska is like Washington on steroids, and this place is like Alaska on steroids. You know, it's like. It, it was crazy but it gorgeous so I, i'm very attracted to those kinds of uh environments i'm not so much you know what, what i don't really care for much is uh the caribbean i'm not a big bahamas caribbean fan uh, i'm just not built for it or made for it i'm a ginger vampire from the
0: northwest and it stays that way you need cloud coverage you need a little cloud coverage but all those are good and, and the good thing is these cruises do go there i mean i did one in uh new zealand and Australia, you know, I got a seaborne one, but then, you know, it also did one in Antarctica, you know, and that kind of thing. So, and that was all the same run actually in yeah. the same three weeks. But yeah, it's nice. Like I said, it's a good teaser. So when you go back, I mean, Australia is so far, but you need to give it at least a few weeks. Yeah. Because just to go all that way, it's why you can't just turn around and come back after a week. You yeah, know? So my, my, my week off that I have in July here, I should probably not just go to Australia. Yeah. Maybe I'll <laughs> stick to Seattle or something. Yeah. And get those freaking flyer miles, and then you could just, you know, have a free flight. Um, well, that's cool. Oh, I didn't ask you. We, we need to plug your uh, sites and where can people find you, and if they want to hire you or see you, uh, give us names. This is where you get all your plugs in and your instagram and your twitter and everything yeah actually uh i just shot a tv show for the cw last february
1: and that'll be airing this summer uh called masters of illusion on the cw so the master masters of illusion um and then next year i'll be on it as well uh yeah you find i always keep i lately i've been trying to get a lot better about posting on like instagram just because uh the guy who helps me with my branding marketing he's like bro nobody gets to see this life you you're living you know and i'm like is like you know people are, are interested in like all the travel and whatnot so i finally just started getting better about posting on instagram it's uh, uh the handle is at joseph rayom it's spelled j-o-s-e-p-h-r-e-o-h-m as in mary so it's rayom
0: yeah, we're gonna have to change that we're gonna give you the amazing something
1: yeah, amazing at Joseph Rayom. <laughs> <laughs> amazing at Joseph. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Facebook. Um, I've uh, Facebook. It's Joseph Rayom official. Uh, that one. All these I post like whenever there's a TV spot or a, a tour or anything. I usually post on those. Um, and then twi- Twitter. I don't really use Twitter, but my it's it's at Joseph Rayom. Everything is Joseph Rayom. Okay. YouTube <laughs> forward slash Joseph Rayom. So yeah, and that's. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Website josephrayom dot com. It's um,
0: yeah, pretty much. I've I've gotten pretty good about getting everything to be Joseph <laughs> Well, we'll find you can find links to uh, all the sites and everything at uh, traveltalespodcast dot com. If you go to where the his podcast article is, we'll have links all listed there. So that'll be easy. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Hope it wasn't so painful for you. We were just so busy on the ship, you know. I know you had plenty to do, yeah, which is I, you know finish watching a movie or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's really rough. I can only tweeze my eyebrows so many times. You're one one show a week. I mean, my god, what are you Yeah. But uh I mean, it's it's a it's tough around here. But yeah, we could squeeze we squeeze, you know, we we, get, we, we get made it in. Uh, but I yeah, I got to get
0: going. <laughs> All right. there's Joseph Rayom everyone. Thanks, man. He's a magic man.